Welcome back to another episode of Washington State Retirement Planning. If you guys are new here, my name is Ethan Meikle, and I specialize in helping Washington State employees get more educated on their retirement plans so that they can retire on their own terms. In today's episode, we're going to be covering the steps that you need to take when you decide to retire from a Washington State school district. So I have six key steps that you want to take in order to make the transition from employee to retiree as smooth as possible. The first step you're gonna wanna take when you're thinking about retiring is getting yourself a financial plan in place. Now this is absolutely critical and the foundation to any successful retirement. In fact, I wouldn't even consider retiring unless you have one of these in place. And when I say retirement plan, I mean something you can hold in your hand that's written out and it's gonna lay out your cash flow. So every single dollar you're gonna be making from now until the day you pass away should be accounted for as well as the tax treatment of those dollars. And you should also have a risk analysis to make sure you're not taking on too much risk in your portfolios. So there are a couple of areas that I see people misstep on this first step, and that is waiting too long until you get your retirement plan in place. Waiting until the year you retire to get a financial plan in place is a lot like asking someone to custom build you your dream house in two months. It's probably not gonna look the way you planned. There may have been some shortcuts taken, and you may not find out about those shortcuts and how it may affect you in the long run until you're way, way, way down the road. Similarly, when you're building a financial plan and you retire, there's not a lot of time left to get that thing together, and a lot of options may have already passed you by that could have made a big impact on your retirement plan. So getting a jumpstart on your financial plan as early as possible is very important. The second problem that I see in this area is people not really having a comprehensive retirement plan. They may have an Excel sheet or some kind of document that some advisor gave them, but it's not comprehensive and it doesn't account for what if scenarios, what if someone were to pass away early, what if someone needed long-term care help. All these different issues can have a giant impact on your retirement plan and if it's not accounted for, it can leave you devastated in your retirement years. So making sure you have a financial plan in place, but also one that has a plan B and plan C. You know, make sure you have these contingencies in place so no matter what comes your way, you're gonna be prepared for it. The third misstep I see oftentimes in this plan is getting a financial plan built by someone that's not an independent advisor. Now this may seem a little strange, but believe it or not, not all advisors are the same. In fact, many advisors that work for institutions, so they work for banks, credit unions, insurance companies, any kind of financial institution. So if they're not self-employed independent advisors, they may not be putting your needs first. In fact, they're often taught cookie cutter solutions, and it may seem great because you don't know any better, but when you dig underneath the shell at all, those plans typically aren't the most robust or the best thing for you. So you wanna make sure when you're getting a financial plan built, it's built by someone who's independent, who has no bias as far as how the plans are gonna be created and are really will custom tailor it to you. If you really wanna get a good financial plan built for you, make sure you can consult an independent financial advisor. If you already have one, but you're working with someone that is employed somewhere else, it's never gonna to hurt to go and seek help with someone else because you may be surprised by what that first planner missed or overlooked or it was just hiding from you. I know that may be a tough thing to hear, especially if you've been working with that individual for a long, long time and you trust them with everything. But in retirement, you can never be too sure. So always double check. Worst case scenario, everything checks out and you can move forward with your current person or your current plan. So step number two in this process is letting the school district or your employer know that you will not be coming back next year. You wanna do this before the end of February, just to give them sufficient time to find a replacement for you and you also may be entitled to some sort of incentive for like early. So oftentimes they'll give you a cash payout of $500 to $1,500, depending on the size of your employer or school district. 
So as soon as you know that you're planning on retiring, let them know ASAP so you're not going to miss out on that cash incentive. Now step number three in the financial planning process is contacting the Department of Retirement Systems and asking for your application for retirement. Now this step is only needed if you'll be collecting your pension this year or the year you plan on retiring on. So if you plan on holding off and collecting your pension because you're just going to transition into a different industry or you're not eligible for your pension yet and you have to wait a couple years until you hit a certain age, then this step is not going to apply to you. You're going to hold off on this step until the year you're going to want to collect that pension. But assuming that you are going to collect your pension this year, you're going to want to ask for that application. And when you get it, you're going to want to fill it out as soon as possible and get it back to them so they can process it. So with step number three, you're going to want to do this typically between March and April. So you want to give the state sufficient time to give you that application because it does take them quite some time to actually get the application to you. So whether you're doing it by mail or over the online portal, they still can take weeks to make available to you. But there's a couple of key dates that you're going to want to know about. And some of them have changed because of this new set plan and how it will affect your health care. So the first date, they're going to ask you for your separation of service date. Typically, it's going to be the last day that you're working. Most people just use June 30th as a, as a catch-all. Then we have the date of retirement. So depending on the date that you put, that's the month that your pension is going to start up in. Now, up until this year, we've always recommended collecting on July 1st, just so you can start getting that pension as early as possible. However, with this new set plan in place, as soon as you elect your retirement date and start collecting your pension, you're no longer eligible to be on your employer's health insurance, so you have to go private. So most people just go with the PEB plan after retirement, and we'll cover that in a little bit. But basically, if you want to collect on July 1st now, you now have to pay out-of-pocket starting in July for your medical. Now this will make sense if your pension is more than your medical needs. So an estimate on your pension is say $2,000 a month, and for you and your spouse, the estimated medical cost is $1,200 a month, you're still going to net about $800, and in that case, it probably makes sense to collect right now. However, if your pension is going to be less than what your medical cost is, or maybe you just don't want to take the money early, then you're going to want to wait till September 1st. Because if you wait till September 1st, you're still going to be on your employer's insurance for July and August, once you start collecting your pension in September, then you'll have to start paying out-of-pocket medical costs at that time. Also, it's important to remember when your birthday is. So for example, if you don't turn age 62 until October, but you file for your pension to start in July and you're not 62 yet, you're going to get hit with some sort of penalty. So it's important to keep those dates in mind as well. All right, so step number three is just filing for your retirement benefit from the state as early as possible, usually by March or April. So step number four now is getting your medical squared away. So for most people, when they leave employment from the state, they're going to go on the PEB system. That's the Public Employees Benefits Board. And it's basically similar healthcare coverage that you're currently on, just continued on after retirement. Now, if you're retiring before age 65, this is going to be your primary healthcare system. If you're going to retire after age 65, PEB is going to be your second to pay or supplemental plan. So Medicare would pay first, these would pay second. Of course, you may feel free to shop around and choose what's best for you, but in my experience, all of my clients have always chosen to go with PEB, and they absolutely love it, and they almost pay nothing out of pocket when they have to get any kind of medical coverage. So I highly recommend you consider PEB when you transition to retirement, and consider the prices in advance, and really want to choose the plan that's right for you. So there's a number of different plans available in that PEB system, and really it's up to you, because only you would know your own healthcare needs, as far as what plan is going to work best for you. When it comes to PEB, you're going to want to file for that benefit to start within three months. 
So you want to do this usually in you know April or May when you want to start filing and letting them know that you're going to be going on coverage if you're going to start collecting your pension in July. Now, if you're going to wait until September to take your pension, you have a couple more months, you don't have to file for PEB until the summer. Also, when it comes to PEB, you actually can delay taking coverage until a later date. If you're on plan three, you just have to fill out the right forms. If you're on plan two, however, you have to start taking your PEB coverage right away. Step number five is making sure you know when you're going to file for your social security benefits. Whether you're going to file for this year or wait a couple more years, you want to know exactly when you plan on taking it. And that question is going to be answered originally in step number one, when you have your financial plan in place, when you lay out all the different alternatives of when to collect and what's going to be best for you. And when you go to file for your social security benefits, you want to give them a whole three months notice at a time of when you're going to collect. Typically it's easiest if you wait till January 1st to collect, just so you get a fresh tax year to start off on. Because sometimes if you make more income than you're allowed to, your social security benefits could be penalized. Now, typically, it's not going to be an issue if you don't start taking your social security until after you're done working. However, just to make things simple, typically just waiting until January 1st is the easiest way to do it. So if that's the plan, you really don't have to file until October. Now, if you're over 65 and you're going through this process, this is also where you'll register for Medicare. And if you're planning on working past this and we cover another employer, at least enroll in Medicare Part A. It's free once you're over age 65. So step number six, the final step in this process, is deciding what to do with all this money you have accumulated. So this whole time you've been told or actually been forced if you're on plan three to save for your retirement. So you've been building up all this money, whether you're doing it on a pre-tax basis or a Roth basis, it's all been building for this moment, for your retirement. Now, once you're here, you have to decide, what am I gonna do with it? Now, again, that question is actually answered in step number one in your retirement plan. So when I've laid out exactly wherever a dollar goes, whether or not you're gonna be buying insurance or long-term care, if you're going to do a Roth conversions or any kind of tax planning you need to do, that's all laid out in that plan. But the other part of number six is this is when you're finally going to be able to move your defined contribution side, assuming you're on plan three. So remember, that money is going to be locked up until you separate service and when your last contribution clears, which would be in August of the year you retire on. So the money in plan three isn't eligible to be moved usually until September. So once that time frame comes, you're then going to be able to move it to wherever your plan told you to do so. If you don't already have a financial plan in place, that's what we do here at Scenic Financial. Now, one question I get all the time is, do I have to take that money out of plan three or can I just leave it there? Well, you could just leave it there, but why would you want to? I mean, once you retire, you have so many different investment options available to you, it'd kind of be silly to leave it there. Because honestly, you have different investment options outside of the plan that you can invest in that will help you be better prepared for the next market downturn, or as well as using something that would be safer and protected from any market losses on a guaranteed basis or you can put it somewhere that will generate you a guaranteed income stream. So while you can leave it there, typically I recommend you should move it somewhere else because more often than not, it's gonna be in your best interest to do so. I know I just mentioned guaranteed income, so probably the thing that comes to mind is an annuity, specifically the TAP or the state's annuity. Now these things are widely pushed by the state. However, there's some precautions that you're gonna to wanna to take if you're considered using them. So again, it starts with step one getting a plan in place to see even if you need an annuity and if that one's actually gonna be the right one for you because there's pros and cons with everything that you do. Now, however, your situation is different. So you wanna make sure that you look at this thing really hard with a professional to make sure it is gonna be the right step for you if you're considering using that kind of annuity. And if you're not sure exactly where to start, where to find an independent advisor or where to get a plan built from, that's something that we do here every day at Scenic Financial. So me or one of my partners will be happy to do that for you. 
And to be honest, most of the financial plans that I see being built by people who own specialized and run exclusion employees, they have no idea at all how your school pension or system works. So they typically leave it out of the entire financial plan if they even have done it for you to begin with. And your state specific retirement plan accounts for 30 to 80% of your entire retirement income. So it's really important that you're working with an advisor that specializes and knows your specific situation so they can build into the plan so nothing gets overlooked or missed. All right, so there you have it. Those are the six steps that you're gonna wanna take if you're planning on retiring from a Washington school district. Now, if you found value in this, please share it with a friend to help us spread the word to more state employees. If you wanna go more in depth on these things, look at other topics. We have a blog site that's completely educational dedicated to Washington State employees. Just go to washingtonterspers.com to view it. That's W-A-T-R-S-P-E-R-S.com. Now I actually just finished creating a little roadmap so you can visually see step-by-step what steps you need to take when you're retiring. So this little roadmap will outline steps you need to take 90 days before retirement, as well as 90 days after retirement. So you don't miss any key deadlines. If you want a copy of it, you can go ahead and get it on our website, washingtonterspers.com. I'll catch you guys all next time. And remember that your future depends on what you do today. All right, before I sign off, just a real quick legal disclosure that we're required to say as licensed fiduciary advisors. So remember that this is a podcast. It is designed for educational and entertainment purposes only. I don't know you personally, therefore I cannot give you any personal advice. So please don't take anything that we say on the show as being personal financial, legal, or tax advice. If you want that kind of stuff, make sure you seek out a professional so they can help you with the strategies and investments that are right for you. Also, please remember that despite the name of our show, we are in no way associated with Washington State or the Department of Guidance Systems or any other Washington employer. We are a private-owned firm that specializes in working with Washington State employees, which is why we know so much about this stuff. So remember, we don't work for the state in any way, shape, or form. So please don't confuse us as being an official representative of the state. All right, that's it for the legal stuff. I'll catch you guys all next time.